Welcome to Beyond the Field Podcast, your weekly dose of finance, property, and epic people doing epic things powered by the team at Money Empire. Get informed and entertained with the coolest cats in the business. BTF Podcast. My name is Kay Malstrom, and here with Goran Lonka and Ethan Asiwa, who is asleep and will wake up right now. I'm back. I'm back. Today, we're going to talk about the rise of non-bank lenders. Now, if we did this in 2008 to 2009, we'll be talking about the fall of non-bank lenders. Sounds like the rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we can compare them to the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Maybe. Go on, I'm going to throw it to you. Explain to me what a non-bank lender is. In short, a non-bank lender is a specialist type of lender who caters for people who don't fit the bank criteria. So I'm going to strip this back. Ooh. Strip it back. I love it when you strip it back. What is a prime lender? Prime lender is your main bank that everyone knows about. So the likes of ANZ, BNZ, ASB, Westpac, and so on. Okay. Then we have essentially what they call um, subprime or near prime, which is someone that or a lender that possibly is funded by a bank and just has a marginally high um, interest rate. Then we have a true second-tier lender, which is what? True second-tier lenders are basically there for people who... Credit impairment, stuff like credit that. Credit impairment, stuff like that, bad credit history, default stuff with Baycorp, just bad credit history. Okay, but not penalised enough to not get a mortgage. Correct. But are penalised in the rate or the fee that goes That's with That's correct. And then you have, I suppose, a sub second tier lender which is like development finance yep. out there which we're seeing a lot lately of correct and, that, and they um, mainly focus on the actual overall LVR um, loan to value ratio and don't really take into consideration when it comes down to servicing okay. and a clear exit strategies need to be provided for those lenders Isha with and we talk about in this previous podcast the triple CFA act and with everything that's going on in this space where do you see a non-bank lender sit and why? Right. I think they're coming to the fro in the, in the years. Um, what do I think? I think when we look to our favourite neighbours across the ditch in Australia, um, this is big and has been for a long time. Um, it's part of the Australian DNA and, and they don't look at them um, maybe any differently really or there's no sort of discourse or some or negative... Um, ideas about them because it's sort of mainstream. Um, If you look across to the likes of Europe, um, there's a lot of these non-bank second tier lenders that are sort of just normal um, and everything has been normalized and across Europe as well. Um, So is it gonna be more common here? I think it is. I think it does strip it back to um, education around this because there's this negative connotation in New Zealand that if it's not a main bank, and you're not doing things with the main bank that it's a finance company or it's car debt. Yeah. Loan sharks. L- yeah, loan sharks. Um, Which is, is what a- the Triple CFA Act was brought into play for. Correct. Correct. And a lot of these uh, non-banks or second-tier lenders, some of them have to abide by the Triple CFA. So what you're saying is that if a client has to go to a second-tier lender, their first thought is, oh, no, how safe is my, my, my house, my property, my security being held with that? I just don't feel comfortable. But then if you look on the other foot, for a decade in Australia, you've had prime banks go up against these non-bank lenders and compete in the same market for a prime client, right? You've got um, 
now digitalization going on where these prime banks can't keep up with um, I've done a lot of research on this with um, companies like Athena Home Loans yeah. which are fully digitized mm-hmm. I suppose at the front end actually cheaper than what a bank would um, uh, give you uh, money for and are taking a big market share because of their speed to achieve an outcome. Whoa! Whoa. I love that. <laughs> so do I. That's really good. Um, I wondered why. I think it's got a lot to do with the word non-bank. Yes. yes. The, the word non is in yeah. front of the word bank. So as yeah. soon as people hear non-bank, the first thing that people ask me is, Loan cool, talk. what are the rates? So why don't we change this up? Why don't you call it bank, bank funded? Because yeah. most of them are. They They're are funded bank. by bank. <laughs> they borrow millions and millions from the banks at X amount percent mm. and then they um, you, them out. Before we jumped on... Um, Camera, maybe. Um, <laughs> You're on to it today. It's not one news, is it? And um, before we jumped on the mic, you actually threw a stat at us yeah. around. We won't name the company, but yeah. I think they're one of the second, now the second largest in New they've, Zealand. What's their mortgage book at the moment? One point five billion. And they started as a true short-term consumer finance company against yeah. vehicles, yeah. Um, against little assets like that. Unsecured and loans. now yeah. they are unbelievably big and are taking a big. Um, I suppose market space they offer solutions to people who do, just don't fit yeah. their criteria I love that the other thing on this is that they yes they are in parts part of the triple CFA but the removal if you look at a bank right you've got the, the board the directors of the bank and then the CEO right then you've got a complete disconnect right the way down to a branch manager through to a person on the till um, talking about a, seven layers giving a mortgage even more I reckon mm. um and they're all worried at the moment that they're going to make a mistake mm-hmm. to keep or well, to lose their job, right? Whereas if you've got a non-bank lender or a bank-funded lender, <laughs> then in that space you're only one or two removed from the top dog who makes a decision. Yeah. So the actual outcome to make a decision can be far quicker than waiting a month. Mm-hmm. The short in, chain of command and the bank-funded lenders mm. um, gives them also more flexibility on yeah. what to do. Because we always hear case-by-case case basis. Yeah, and it is always case-by-case. Case. And you're, it's, it, you're talking solutions. Um, and we use correctly, this is a really great solution mm-hmm. for whether it's first-home buyers or people that just continuously get blanked mm-hmm. or bad results from the bank. Mm-hmm. Here is a solution. This is how it has to look, mm-hmm. but this could get you into your home. Yeah. yeah, I'll give you an example just quickly before you go on. Client comes in, they want to purchase a home, right? I take all the details, go through the process, spend you know a bit of time with them. I know straight away that this is not going to be a bank deal. Cool, I ring them up, we go through the process, this is why, and these are the reasons. I say, cool, we can't go through a prime bank now, we can do it through a non-bank or a bank-funded lender. Mm. They don't know about this. They've literally taken this info from a person they've just met or, or you know, gone out to help with, mm. and they will literally be scared. I, I, I think that is why people don't, they don't know about them, they don't see them on TV. Um, as soon as they see, oh, 4.5%, you know, fix one year, oh, shit, but what, you know, the banks are offering 369, what's the deal with that? It's yeah. 1%, you know. But you're looking at rates pre-COVID. Yeah, and I think if you take it one step further than that, around the whole property market in general, we're going from the dream of having a white picket fence on a quarter acre section yeah. now to having terraced housing, high density, and instead of living at really price affordable outcomes, right? Yeah. A lead on from that is you would normally get your funding from a bank. Now it's coming through other sources. It could be structured ways from mum and dad that you're borrowing money and paying commercial rates back from non-bank lenders, 
partial, both in terms of a bank and parents. So there's a lot of change or moving parts in the space, and becomes because properties become, I think, from a media point of view, unattainable. That people think it has to be done the old way, otherwise I can't do it. And I think you threw something at me, Goran, the other day. You're talking where, you know, pre-COVID, going into COVID, we had clients, or sorry, you had clients looking to buy something. They had conditional offer on it under contract, and they decided to pull out of that because we're about to go into a lockdown, mm-hmm. right? That house that they wanted to buy is now 250 grand or 300 grand yeah. more than what it was. Yeah. Their debt servicing is there. Their deposit's not there. They don't fit a banking criteria. So you're actually looking outside the circle now mm-hmm. for a non-bank funder to do so, yeah. right? 100%. Also, their parents told mm-hmm. them, oh, don't go near 20K close of what it's going for at auction and they pulled out. Exactly. <laughs> the other thing moving on from it, which is, you know, if we look at the main cities, is huge right now, Issa, is developments and mums and dads getting into developments now i know quite a few deals have come across your guys desks and what that looks like it's a real tricky one because mum and dad think that they own a quarter acre section they can chop that shit up put on 10 terrace times mm-hmm. bank five million and walk away mm-hmm. the complexity of it of one the costs two the risk mitigation or the exposure of risk and then three what the outcomes will be and how you finance that is huge. And people just think, oh, I'll go to my bank and they'll finance the deal for me. Mm-hmm. That pretty much door is shut. Unless you're an experienced developer with a track record, you ain't going to get that anymore. So one of you jump in and pitch on a little bit of development finance for me. Yeah. Well, just just jumping in, I think everyone hears, oh, or everyone wants to be a property developer. Everyone might think is that, that is it because it's sexy? Is it? I think it's sexy. I think people think it's sexy. Or do you think it is? I think it's sexy. <laughs> or are people doing it just because other people are doing it? People, are, well, there's a bit of FOMO and there's a lot a, of sheep a, out there, right? There's a lot of one sheep. tree hill full of them. There's a lot of sheep, but there's also a lot of misguided or non-education in that space because if it was so beneficial, if it was going to reap massive rewards and it was super easy, why isn't everyone doing it? I agree. Yeah. So I think people get, uh, people read about what it's, what it's to be a property developer or think it's super easy and then they start down this boat and then it sort of gets into the too hard basket because the reality is there's so many layers to this development side. But even in the lending space, um, banks... You know, might have been a might have been a criteria for it years ago, but yeah, they're pretty much turned off the water. I just want to say something to our producer Saskia. We've got to do one on development and development yeah. finance, and we because it is a real topic of conversation. We've got here. a couple of scenarios on at the moment we can talk about in depth. Yeah, and that'll be cool because a lot of people that uh, I've heard um, in barbecue talking that uh, mm-hmm. say they want to get into property development. And knowing what I know, and obviously in that space, um, it's a real, real minefield. And if you don't do it right and execute well, you can lose a lot of money. And that's how a lot of them go under. Um, just quickly then, the main, picking up on what you said earlier, Goran, the main problem with people around the non-bank space, and this is about educating them, is oh, the interest rates are too high. Can you just give, one of you, give a little um, bit of a snippet as to why the interest rates will be higher? Um, and the, I suppose the opportunity costs from that yep. because that's a big part I know of what you guys and Money Empire talk about is the opportunity cost. The rates are higher because the lender or the bank funded lender carries a higher risk. Mm. 
you know, in terms of lending that money. And you're talking about the, the, the risk profile of the consumer or the borrower. Correct, because there is a reason why they're a non-bank lender is because they cater for people who don't um, fit the bank space. So people who, yep, go on. I want to throw you an example. I come to you mm-hmm. as a first-time buyer. So I've got no idea about lending or mortgages or, or terms or interest rates or anything. And I say, okay, cool. Um, me and my partner want to buy our first home. We've got 20% deposit. But I'm going to tell you now, I've had got Bake Corp on my house because I've had a phone bill that's unpaid and I've tried to clear it. I've paid it years ago, but it still hangs there. And when I moved house, when I was flatting, we forgot to cut the power off under our name and it still carries a stigma. Again, both those debts are paid off. It was only a grand total, mm-hmm. right? And I'm full disclosure here, I've been to my bank and they've said to me, look, Credit history ain't great. We actually can't let you borrow money at this time. I come to you and you've talked about non-bank space to me. Mm-hmm. How am, would you educate me around that to make it worthwhile, yeah. me going to a non-bank lender? I'd first explain why we have to, the numbers, what it's going to cost them. and Because in that particular scenario, they don't have to stay on the books at the non-bank lender for a very long time. Right. Um, depending on the situation and this one being what it is, um, it would be to tell them that we would look at a short period of about a one year before. You know, we can prove some good account conduct, make sure they're all tickety-boo with all their payments, good repayment history on the mortgage with the second, sorry, non-bank, and then look to get refinance them back to a bank. And Isa, if me being the client was borrowing the same amount at a bank on a 30-year term on P&I, right, at a bank interest rate, but it couldn't be done there and a second-tier or a non-prime lender was my only avenue would it be right in saying that um they would allow me to do 12 months of interest only on their higher interest rate which effectively is the same as the pni on the prime bank yeah absolutely like all the all these non-banks have different criteria um but certain um certain non-banks that we've used have specifically this type of criteria and that you can interest only your mortgage um, for up to 12 months um, and like you've said you know that interest only repayments on the higher interest rates um, might be the same as or slightly more expensive than a pr- principal and interest repayment at a main bank anyway so in that 12 months you'll have proven really good account conduct you'll have proven what it's like to pay a mortgage and you know if for that scenario we are then trying to take them back to a prime bank uh, 12 months later or 18 months later then it fits the bill um, and that's why they're a useful tool for people in certain situations I was just going to add um, we've been talking about non-banks and how they help people with sort of but iffy credit history they also cater for people who don't have iffy credit history but don't actually fit say income criteria in yeah. terms of self-employment if you've been tra- yep. trading for six to nine months and don't have full years under you or full years financials um overseas income self-employment yeah. there's there's a lot they're actually really beneficial to the system and unfortunately unless you come to an advisor you won't know about them so that was my next thing is that obviously offshore income at the moment is um not frowned upon but very very looked upon from a bank because they're concentrating on residents here if you're an expat Kiwi offshore and you're looking to buy back in New Zealand because you want to return one day, but your income is scaled, shaved, whatever it is you guys talk about offshore, there is the opportunity to go through a non-bank lender to do so. Absolutely. Totally. I encourage people to 
sing out if they're in the situation like that that have been given a no from the bank from overseas. In scenarios where um, a current Kiwi lives in New Zealand has been working, let's say, as a builder, employed for the last five years, then decides to go out on their own, self-employed, they have 12 months, two years worth of contracts in place, but don't have two years of financials. That's something else you've talked about too. Yeah, absolutely. Builders, physios, all those type of people that are self-employed um, that might be eight out of ten fit the bill in a main bank but then just can't get it across the line there's um once they're educated in that non-bank space it might be a great scenario and a great option for them to you know opportunity cost think of it this way if you were a paye builder or working for a company x amount and then you go out on your own right you're six months down the line you're like oh shit me and my partner want to buy a house Mm. go to the bank director say well don't fit the bill Mm. that's it books closed got to get six more months or another 12 months by that time the market's already shifted prices have gone up yes your deposit has probably gone up a little bit too but you're still back at the same place you were when you were working just for six months and didn't know about people like uh, non-Mac Lender another thing to talk about which honestly I reckon so many people will have is outside consumer debt they can't get their hand like a hold on or a handle on in their situation in their budget paying it they might be servicing interest but not being able to actually pay the principal off now, if they have a mortgage, okay, so they currently got a property and have a mortgage, they go to their bank and the bank says, well, hang on, you've had a mortgage for five years and you've racked up 40 grand of consumer debt, yeah. car finance, credit cards, store cards, afterpay, right? And you've said, hey, look, to get back on top, all I need to do is consolidate that into my mortgage. Mm-hmm. Right now, is it a 50-50 where the bank would even look at doing that? Absolutely, totally. And straight away, if you've got, I'm just going to pull numbers. If you're paying $3,000 a month on your mortgage on P&I, but you're also paying another $3,000 a month on consumer short-term debt, mm. if you could consolidate that into one mortgage at a non-bank lender, mm. yes, at a higher rate, I guarantee you your repayments will be lower than what you're paying on two exposures. Absolutely. You'd be in a better off position, but it goes without saying you still need to go through the whole process with the lender. We're not by any means saying it's going to be approved willy-nilly. No. You know what I mean? You still have to prove that you can service it. But yes, absolutely, I wholeheartedly agree. But it's getting your mind around, okay, cool. These non-banks, the situation I have with my mortgage going with them, it's not forever. It's a short-term solution. And if we look at it where a mindset was like, no, I'm not going to go into that space two years ago. I just don't want to go. I want to wait till I can go to a bank. Two years rolls by. I think we've had like 30% capital gains in Auckland over that time. Your deposit has shrunk to what your purchase price could be. And only imagine if they were able to get onto that second tier at 7%, 8% and carry that through, they'll be in a far better off position. Yes, it was unforeseen. Yes, property cycles work in 10 years. Yes, we've probably had the capital growth that we would normally have over a seven year period in two years. The market should plateau out for a while, but you kind of missed the boat there. So it's all about, we talk about opportunity cost. Absolutely. And there's also quite a few, well, worth mentioning, for people out there who don't have a 20% deposit to buy an existing home, there are a couple of lenders who do um, cater for the likes of you know people who just can't get that 20% for existing homes. And what about right, Issa, with non-banks now? Are they getting their head around the new build space? So they're willing to entertain someone buying a new build now? Is that correct? Yeah, they are. They're definitely looking um, at how the market has changed. And I think they've got the ability to pivot and change criteria to suit them and suit their clientele and what works. So the new build space is definitely something um, 
they're looking at now. But like geographically around New Zealand, some non-banks are in specific areas and don't sort of venture outside yeah. of it. So it's not open to the whole of New Zealand. It's um, They're very selective um, and that it's got to work for their appetite and their criteria at the time. So it's not you can, like you can be anywhere in New Zealand and just ring up a non-bank and they would fund you. If a little I, small town or a rural uh, place yeah. or a big piece if of If I land. practically think if I'm a non-bank lender, I don't want a billion dollars exposed in um, you know middle of nowhere okay I said fielding sorry, <laughs> sorry <laughs> to all the listeners sorry. I'm fielding we've got a big following down there Garen, a that. big following um, so yeah I, I get that so they want to spread their risk a bit because touch wood if there's ever mortgage sales they do not want one town to literally lock a door from uh, gold mining and, and leave and there's no bloody work there can I just chuck one thing out there I think um, we oh you got me I caught it astronomical numbers in what the banks spend on marketing we see all the big banks, we see ads every evening, we see, see them in the billboards, on the corner, on the radio, that they spend hundreds. Why don't, why doesn't the average person or the average consumer see too much marketing on these non-bank lenders? Because it's word of mouth, I think, and it's um, the outcome from a consumer that's used them, that's positive, that obviously they the lender will work on rather than throwing money into that marketing space because mm. banks have billions mm. to throw up marketing and they all fight for the same client. Yeah. Non-bank lenders or second-tier lenders don't fight for that client. And they've done so... There, there's so many good stories about them helping people in certain positions and then uh, a lot of people with those people that have used them, they've never heard about them before. I think, unfortunately, with society and how we work as Kiwis is you never hear the good stories in the media. The only things that are reported are the shit stories. Mm. And that is one of the biggest problems we have. So there's so many, and I know you guys have used second tier lenders for clients and it has been perfect for them. And then you've been able to move them to a prime lender at some point. But they don't get reported. No. How lucky it, they are because they made 20% or 10% on a capital gain and were able to sell it. Or got them out of a little rut or something exactly, like that. Exactly, or yeah. consolidate debt. All you hear is, a person that essentially was probably borderline on getting the, the terms, they fought for it, they got it, and then they get themselves into more shit because they take out more debt and then can't repay it. Mm-hmm. And say, oh, they're going to take my home from me. But that's not the lender's fault. No, no. That's the appetite for debt. It's crazy when you think about it. The bank wins either way because the, the loans that they can't give to people that suit the non-bank lenders... They don't actually, want. Yeah, exactly. But the non-bank lender is borrowing the money from the bank, which ends up being loan to the client <laughs> majority of the time obviously there's other things around our MBSs and all that kind of stuff but um, yeah a, a lot of the uh, non-banks are underline funded um, through lines of credit from yep. institutions here is there anything else to wind up you guys would throw out there if you're a listener um, to get them thinking around non-bank lenders absolutely if, if you've approached a bank or, or direct and you've got a no for whatever reason I would highly suggest any, any listener out there to just Go to an advisor, have a look. There's different options there. Just mm. sit down and be educated. Learn about the process, what it means to actually go through a, a bank-funded lender that will actually help you out. Yeah, I think just lastly, like, if you get a no, it shouldn't be the end of the road. Yeah. There's all there's nine times out of 10, 99% of the time, there is a solution. Um, but it's about understanding that solution, being educated on that solution, and then seeing it as an opportunity for I you. I think you guys work really well in that space where you say, okay, cool, if there is a no, let's pivot and look at this other solution. You've always got to have a positive outcome, right? And I think what you mentioned, Goran, talking to an advisor is really key. If you went direct to a um, 
non-bank lender, you might get given a product that doesn't suit you. That's not the lender's fault. That's just the lender working out giving you the product. Whereas you guys can actually go through that solution and work out the outcome long term. I think just to finalize or finish off, non-bank lenders are huge at the moment and they're coming even more so. You've got to look at the Australian trend over a decade of what's happening there. I think the fast moving pace of um, credit scoring and ability to sign deals off from a lender, as a non-bank lender, is massive compared to the um, prime space with banks because a lot of people want speed to achieve an outcome, right? And they want to go to auction and make a decision. So that's happening. Um, and then in this society, you're going to find, I think, a lot of people not fit a bank criteria because a lot of people have gone through COVID and thought, actually, I'm going to change up my lifestyle and I'm going to go start a business, mm-hmm. even though it's it might be daunting. So all these things that fit inside a box are now going to fit outside the box. So I think for any listener, look, understand the outcomes, but be very solution focused and don't worry too much about what the neighbor's doing. Worry on yourself and focus on your journey. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Field. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your mates or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Field Podcast or send us an email at info at beyondthefield.co.nz. Thanks again and we'll see you all next time.